Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, Lulu here. Whether we are romping through science, music, politics, technology, or feelings, we seek to leave you seeing the world anew. Radiolab adventures right on the edge of what we think we know. Wherever you get podcasts. From WNYC Studios, I'm Brian Lehrer. This is my Daily Politics Podcast. It's Thursday, January 19th. Anyone read that New York Times article from the other day called Selling Houses While Black? We're going to have the writer Colette Coleman on. You know, housing discrimination is nothing new, uh, but we usually talk about it against people looking to buy or rent. But there is another overlooked piece of discrimination in real estate. Black real estate agents face discrimination from other agents, as described in this article, as well as people looking to buy and sell their homes, the customers, real estate agents facing discrimination from customers. This article in the Times highlighted many of the ways that black real estate agents have to navigate racial discrimination while they're just doing their jobs. Again, it's called Selling Houses While Black. And one of the stats, black agents make up only about 6% of real estate agents in America, even though 14% of Americans overall are black. Additionally, white real estate agents reportedly make nearly three times as much money as their black counterparts doing the same job. Colette Coleman is a writer focused on race and equity, and we're going to talk about her article now. Colette, thanks so much for coming on. Welcome to WNYC. Thanks for having me, Brian. Did something in particular inspire you to report this story? This is obviously a long-term, ongoing thing, but was there a trigger for this? Yeah, there were actually a few triggers. So one was I myself have been a salesperson for years. I have never sold real estate but I sold education technology and you sell to school districts and the district administrators, superintendents are about 90% white and 75% male. And I'm a woman of color. So I faced my own discrimination in the sales process. Um, And then also there was a great article in the New Yorker, maybe a few or several months ago about the plight of door-to-door salespeople. Mm. And it was, really interesting, especially as a salesperson. I loved it. It was great. But it felt like there was an elephant in the room with that article in that they never brought up, what about a black door-to-door salesperson? And that experience would just be so much harder in many parts of the country and so different. So I had those things on my mind. And then one evening, I live in a rural part of New York. I had an unexpected visitor driving up my driveway at dusk. It's dark out. I'm getting nervous. Who is this person approaching my door? And it turned out it was a real estate agent, a white real estate agent. And I was just shocked that he felt comfortable (laughs) approaching somebody's door. He didn't know in my area, most homes have firearms. They have scary dogs that do bite. And so after having this agent come visit my door, door knocking as they call the practice to try to drum up some business, I thought, what if that had been a black man? And would a black real estate agent feel comfortable doing that practice? And assuming the answer is for a lot of black agents, they probably don't. How does that impact their professional prospects if they're limited in the kind of marketing tactics that they can use? Yeah. And your article, of course, has some horrifying anecdotes like having police cars arrive 
while showing a house to potential buyers, even somebody being handcuffed. Um, also, uh, you know, buyers, potential buyers walking out of a home after seeing the agent was black. Do you, do you want to pick any one individual anecdote that that really stands out to you? Or is, is there one that sort of you wake up thinking about at night even after the article was published? I mean, like you said, there were so many and I could only include 1% of them. So it was really disturbing research to do. It was just, you know, very upsetting to hear similar anecdotes over and over the trend. The one, I mean, again, they all stick out, but one in particular that's early on in the article is about the president of NAREB, which is an organization, National Association of Real Estate Brokers, but it includes um, real estate professionals, not just brokers. And it was founded in 1947 when Black Americans weren't allowed to join the main real estate organization, the National Association of Realtors. So it's this great organization, long history. And the president, uh, Lydia Pope, she's also a broker and agent. She has her own experiences. And in 2018, she was doing work at a condo that she was, I believe it was a condo or maybe a home, she was listing. And all of a sudden, the police start surrounding the home. And she's thinking, you know, what's going on? Why are there police everywhere? And she comes outside and they let her know, well, we have a report of a break-in at this home that you're inside of right now. Uh And so she pulled out her laptop. She, you know, showed them her phone, her license, her ID, everything. And she said there was a man standing across the street. And it was a predominantly white area. um, And he was a white man standing across the street. And he was just kind of looking at her like a look like, I got you. He really thought he had caught her. Um, So that's disturbing, especially it shouldn't happen to anybody. It shouldn't happen to any black person, but somebody also of her stature, you know, she's the president of a major organization and she's not immune from experiences like that. And the indignity of it really stuck with me too, of having to explain yourself when you're just trying to do your job. And the other thing that stuck with me about it was that she didn't go back. She gave the listing back. So she's losing out on money. And with the stats you referenced of, you know, black agents making less, that could be part of why. There was another anecdote in the story from um, a real estate professional, Chastin J. Miles, who also decided I'm not returning to this $3 million home because I was treated so poorly that it's just not worth that emotional toll. So he's losing out on money. So, I mean, there are a lot of reasons, I think, that Black agents are making less, but I think that is a part of it, of just not wanting to stick with it and endure some of these um, atrocities. Yeah, and the atrocities don't only come from neighbors and from law enforcement and from, you know, uh, official industry groups, but as you describe in, in the piece, there's a huge financial penalty that comes along with the racism that affects uh, black real estate agents. There was a survey uh, from the from an industry association that showed that there's a huge disparity in sales volume and therefore, obviously, how much money is earned between black and white agents. So that goes to the attitudes of the buyers, right? Yeah, and for the most part, what I found is that people do want to work with people who look like them. And of course, there are exceptions. And of course, in areas like New York City or the surrounding areas of New Jersey, it's not really, it's not as big of a problem as it is, you know, talking to 
agents in Arizona or North Carolina and the South in Texas, but it still is a trend. Um, and so thinking about that, if black agents are somewhat, some black agents are somewhat limited to working with black sellers and buyers and black, there are fewer black Americans already, but then there are also fewer black home buyers because of all of the issues with home buying and the history of home buying and the racism around that in the country and black homes are priced lower than those of white homeowners. So there are just all of these, the structural racism that's stacked against the black agents where if they're predominantly working with black clients, they will end up making less. Lewis, who I think has a story of, of being a buyer. Uh, you're on WNYC. Hi, Lewis. Hi, Brian. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, so this hits kind of close to home. During the pandemic, I had worked uh, for years to save up some money to buy a property. And as soon as COVID hit, uh, there, you know, I, it was a perfect opportunity to buy a property. So I, I started doing my due diligence. I got approved by a bank. I had uh, about twenty five. I had about fifty thousand dollars for a down payment, and I tried looking in Jersey, Connecticut, the surrounding areas, somewhere within driving distance of the city. And uh, well, firstly, I was surprised that all of the agents uh, that I was looking for the property within my price range were white. Um, so I started contacting them, and I had a hard time getting a hold of, of agents uh, in the beginning. As soon as I got a couple of agents, I would. Uh, I would send my applications and they would always come back 90% of the time with, oh, it's a beating war. There's somebody else uh, looking at this property. So I had a really hard time. And this is prior to the government uh, giving out these zero interest, zero interest uh, loans for housing. So I knew I had a good opportunity. It wasn't until I found a black agent that I was really able to uh, kind of get some momentum going and looking at other properties. The other problem was that... Um, he would only show me houses in predominantly black or brown neighborhoods. And mm -hmm. whenever he would try to get in, in touch with a, a seller's agent, he always also had a hard time getting uh, responses back. So it took me a long time to actually get uh, property. But, and of course, I didn't buy it in an area where I would like. I had to settle for, you know, a property in Albany. And I just hold it now as an investment. But I just really had, a, you know, there's this, unspoken like and, and it's really hard to prove that it was racism because mm -hmm. it's you know I, I we couldn't find any other explanation you know uh whenever you know in my case when i try to approach agents with my hispanic name that's when i would have a hard time but whenever i send my wife's name because she is uh from uh she's asian we would always get a reply right back so um i guess that's my uh, my yeah, story. you're like a, a one-couple controlled experiment. Uh, Colette, what are you <laughs> thinking as, as you listen to Lewis? I'll bet you've heard stories like that before. Yeah, unfortunately, it fits into everything that I've heard. I mean, one thing, there was a mention of uh, an agent, um, Fee Gentry, who was asked by some white clients who did let her list their home, but they said, oh, can you not put up your picture on your on the lawn sign? We don't want our neighbors to know that there's a black agent. And I kind of was like, well, why would that really matter to the neighbors? What race the agent is who's listing your home? And her speculation was, the neighbors would then fear a black agent would bring a black client and then a black family might move in and be their neighbors, which maybe 
that's because of racism. They don't want that. Or maybe they're worried their home price will then go down with black owners. So yeah, unfortunately I can see that being the case, Lewis's story. And then I also heard a lot of people saying, you know, their black, the black agents, black clients would be asked like, can you show proof of funds before we let you see our listing or you need to stop by and drop off your ID? All of these things that are really unheard of. Um, and one agent who was a new agent at the time didn't even know it was a strange thing. And then she told a mentor who was like, what are you talking about? What is going on at that? And again, the other point that Lewis made that's really great is it's so hard to prove that it's racism and we can't general, I mean, that is great that he had his wife as kind of the comparison, but usually, you know, you can't do a randomized controlled study of to figure out the way you can with a science experiment. So a lot of times it's just, you know, the trend when you keep hearing it over and over and it's only happening to a certain group, it just seems like the logical conclusion that it is racism. Mark in East Windsor, you're on WNYC. Hi, Mark. Hi, Brian. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I just wanted to make a comment. Um, I know you were asking for African-American lease real estate agents. I happen to be a leasing agent. I worked as a leasing agent in the apartment rental industry. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I've worked there for over 10 years. And I wanted to make the comment that a lot of times I feel it's about the perception of prospects who are coming into the office um, as an african-american uh, i'm physically i'm a very tall african-american i'm six foot seven and some people can find my height imposing and i feel that sometimes when people walk into the office and they've heard my voice or they've communicated with me via email because a lot of your uh your pre-sales your screening is done um on social media or it's done electronically before they physically see you they can be surprised to see me sitting behind the desk or sitting in the office. Um, I, I can also tell you that sometimes you, you can feel, uh, you can sometimes see in facial expression or body language, sometimes prospects who might be white feeling uh, a little uncomfortable because they're not familiar with dealing with an African-American in a position uh, in terms of things like sharing confidential bank data credit screenings, background screenings. Um, but I did want to share that sometimes it works the other way, Brian. Mm -hmm. um, I can tell you that many instances I've had uh, Asian, South Asian, or Hispanic prospects walk in and see me. And I can tell you that sometimes they feel uh, a sense of relief, for, back of, for lack of a better word. Um, a number of Asian, I've worked in Hamilton and East Windsor, and there's many people from Pakistan, from India, uh, who are part who are apartment prospects, mm -hmm. and have shared with me experiences of not being treated very nicely. Sometimes, not all, by some uh, white leasing professionals, for example, who won't show them an apartment, or instead of taking the keys and taking them on a tour as you're as you're supposed to do, you know, handing them the keys and suggesting that they go see the apartment themselves. Mm -hmm. So it can work both ways. Sometimes people are comforted by, you know, my presence. Such a great story. Uh, both parts of your story. Mark, thank you very much. And Colette, uh, he makes a great second point there, right, that, that we hadn't even touched on yet, which is that for some uh, potential buyers or renters of color, it's probably a relief to see a black or other person of color real estate agent or leasing agent when you run into one. 
Yeah, definitely. And a lot of, you know, it does go to that point, though, that a lot of people choose to work with agents who look like them. So they're the black agents have their black clients. And a lot of the black agents I spoke to saw their work as an act of service and a way for them to really lift up the black community and help it to build generational wealth through real estate. Does the law cover discrimination against real estate agents or leasing agents for that matter? You know, we had occasion to mention the Fair Housing Act of 1968 earlier in the week when uh, we were talking about civil rights laws on Martin Luther King Day. That was the the last, I would say, of the major civil rights acts of the 1960s, passed in 68, the same year that Dr. King was assassinated. Um, And it covers, at least on paper, um, you know, people who are looking to live in places. Does it say anything about people who work in the industry? So there are definitely laws in place. And I think one agent I spoke to who had described a situation that felt like, again, it's so hard to prove discrimination or racism at times. So that's one of your hurdles you'd have to get over. But then um, secondarily, what the agent was saying when I asked, you know, can you do something legally about this? He said that there there have to be damages. So if there aren't damage, you know, financial damages to sue for, then you don't really have a case. Um, I spoke with somebody at the National Association of Realtors who said that this specific example I'm speaking of, he said, oh, no, that person, there are things they can do to have repercussions for the person discriminating against them. So I think there may be laws there, but they might be so intricate that people don't really know them and they don't know their rights. They don't know what they can do. Or maybe when they do know what they can do, it just feels still like I don't have time for it or I don't want to have to prove something where I'm going to be doubted. Even, you know, this article, there are a lot of people who are doubting like, ah, that's in the past or the woman mm. in the article who described taking a course, a required course on fair housing law where some of the agents were just making jokes and just belittling it and saying like, ah, this doesn't really happen anymore. So I think you would be putting yourself in a position where you have to go up against it. And if you're somebody who has been experiencing discrimination your whole life, so you're just kind of like, this is what it is. This is America. Maybe it's not, you don't take the time to really do it because it just feels like you're kind of resigned to this being the way it is. It's one of the biggest divides in America, I think, along racial lines. White people think discrimination ended with the 1964 Civil Rights Act or a few other things and are much quicker, obviously, than people of color to say, no, that's in the past. Is that is that a core part of your experience uh, researching this? Yeah, and I think also in the reaction to it, where a lot of people feel like, what are you saying? There are no successful black real estate agents or black people can't be successful real estate agents. That's ridiculous. And that is ridiculous in the sense that there are many, many successful real estate agents. And I would encourage, you know, and it's not what your article says. Right. True. Yes. (laughs) Um, But some people do interpret it that way who feel that racism is something in the past and they just don't really want to hear about this. And again, if I can't do my randomized control study, then I can't really 100% prove it. One more call. Julian in Northvale, New York. You're on WNYC. Hi, Julian. Uh, hi, Brian. Northvale, New Jersey. Near oh, New sorry York. about that. We recently sold our house and we used the minority status of the prospective buyer 
as a positive. That is, there were competing bids, and I throw that out there so like-minded sellers can do that and make a small dent in the uh, inherent inequality in housing. Did you get any pushback from your neighbors? No, it's the the house was in Nyack. It's you know it's somewhat diverse, but uh, you know no, we did not have any issue, and we did the same thing on our previous house, which was in a more all white neighborhood. And I, I think there there was a little kickback I sensed from the neighbors, but you know we it's something small that we could do. Thanks for sharing your story, Julian. Uh, so as we wrap up, Colette. You, you kind of referred before to um, maybe some negative response to your article in The Times, selling houses while black, in addition, I presume, to positive response. Uh, what You haven't been published in The Times much. I think you're a freelancer, not a Times staffer, right? Correct, um, yeah. So, so what was this experience like for you? Um, it was a great experience. Um, like I said, some of the interview process, the research process was tough just because you're hearing these stories over and over and, you know, feeling your own rage and sadness about it. Um, but in the end, I am really excited about this piece. I feel like hopefully it will have an impact. And I've heard from some of the people who were included, you know, they are really grateful to have the piece out there because without it, their stories might not have been told. And, you know, the caller who said, like, I'm surprised people are surprised, like, it's so obvious, but mm. it really, unfortunately, like, it's not really obvious to most people. Colette Coleman is a writer focused on race and equity. Her article, Selling Houses While Black, was published in the New York Times last week. Thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing it with us. Thanks for having me. Brian Lehrer, A Daily Politics Podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you next time.